From the US to Europe, an international podcast breaking down structured credit one tranche at a time. Welcome to The Last Tranche, Credit Flux's bi-monthly podcast discussing CLOs and all things structured credit. I am your host and reporter with Credit Flux, Hugh Minch. Hello and welcome to The Last Tranche. Today I'm joined by Torben Skoderberg and Jim Wyant of Capital Four. Thank you for joining me. Today's topic is environmental social governance or ESG and how ESG linked investing has grown in Europe and the US over the last few years. Safe to say there's been a slightly different trajectory in Europe versus the US when it comes to ESG and that's why it's great to have the two of you here to speak to both markets. Torben, if I could start with you, would you be able to give us an overview of the emergence of ESG investing in Europe, especially in the credit markets and its rapid growth over the last few years? Yes, definitely. I can do that, Hugh. Um, and again, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, there's been quite a big uh, movement in the ESG landscape over the last couple of years. Of course, it's been quite important for many, many years. Um, but um, of course, starting very much with negative screening and then moving towards uh, more than that, that we can talk uh, more about later in the, in the podcast. But especially investors in, in the Nordic region where we are based and in the Benelux region, region has been uh, looking very much into ESG and how that can uh, you know, impact their portfolio. Uh, also with respect to um, insight into the portfolio and the different characteristics that, uh, that the investment has. Um, so, so there's been quite a lot happening in, in the area. It sounds to me that sort of the driving force behind ESG then has been institutional investors in Europe, they've been taking the lead, or is it more to do with regulation? It's been actually both, um, but um, more earlier on the institutional side or the investor side. But of course, the new um, sustainable finance disclosure regulation, what's called SFDR, has actually come into effect now uh, this year as of March 10th. And there, um, all of us in the management industry has to uh, go out and, and report on what do we actually do within the ESG uh, landscape. So there's been dri- you know, driving both from the investor side, but definitely also on the regulatory side. And Jim, I suppose it's safe to say that um, the adoption of ESG has been a little bit different in the US, so it's a little bit later to get started. Would you say that the US is following in Europe's path or have the two markets been diverging in how ESG is approached? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's fair to say the US has definitely been been, been lagging, uh, but I think that it is heading generally in the same direction. Uh, many US managers and investors are becoming more aware of ESG practices uh, in recent years, but you don't have uh, any, any regulatory you know, driving force and so there, there is a bit of a wider variety of perspectives uh, of, of, of ESG principles at both the manager and the le- investor level uh, amongst, amongst the U.S. Uh, participants relative to Europe. And so I think that results in less consistency in the rate of adoption and, and in the form of approach. Um, so, so you may not see it um, uh, at, the, at, the, at quite the, the, the same, uh, same pace, uh, but, but directionally, I think the U.S. Is, is going to be heading in the same direction. Um, uh, just a matter of uh, both uh, the speed of, of that trajectory, as well as you know whether or not it's as uh, as widely embraced uh, amongst amongst U.S. participants um, uh, in the near term as uh, as you see uh, abroad. 
So I wanted to talk about somewhat of a new development, which is the emergence of ESG-linked loans and also bonds, but from the CLO perspective, primarily loans are more important. For, as an example, there's a loan deal I saw announced this morning where the interest rate payable by a healthcare provider includes a small interest rate adjustment that's tied to the delivery of affordable healthcare to underserved populations. Other examples seen in the past would tie the interest rate, interest rate to carbon emissions, to the number of women on corporate boards, etc. Torben, are there any other examples that you've seen of this? It's, it's certainly an interesting development. Yeah, definitely. This has been a um, big, big development uh, coming into the market. And we have some data from S&P that says on the overall IG and high yield market. Now, I'll, I'll get into the leverage loan, of course, also. But there'll, there'll be more than $1 trillion issued by the end of 2021 in this segment that has sustainable uh, linked uh, bonds in that area. Before, of course, we had green bonds where you need to use the proceeds from the bond you raise to invest in green area. But here it's actually to fulfilling some goals, fulfilling some targets that become um, tighter and tighter over the years. And just to give you some uh, idea about the magnitude of this in Europe, and, and, and Jim can give you something about the US, but that's definitely going to follow also. Uh, but it is quite high. Already this year, um, 26% of all new issuance in the European low market or leverage low market has had an ESG um, margin racket in it. Um, so being sustainable uh, linked uh, loan. Uh, which is actually higher than in the in the high yield market, where it's 19%. And I think, Jim, you have some figures for the, for the U.S. market also. Yeah. So for, for the U.S., you're beginning to see uh, the, the, these types of issuance, but it is it is lagging, uh, with those figures being uh, 3 and 4%, so 3% of the loan market and 4% of the high yield market. Um, and, 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 and with the, the high yield market in the U.S., yeah being a little bit more weighted, about two-thirds toward, toward green bond issuance uh, and about a third of it being a sustainability uh, linked. Um, I, I think within within uh, Europe, Torben, it's interesting that that, that 26% figure you mentioned for the European yeah. market in 2021, I believe that was just 4% in 2020. A, a little bit of optimism for, for, uh, for the future of, uh, of the U.S. and that you've seen such tremendous uh, growth in a short period of time of uh, a sustainability linked uh, loan issuance uh, in, in, in Europe from last year to this. Exactly because, exactly, because the figure you mentioned here for the US is actually straight on where Europe was last year. So if this evolution is, is happening also on, on the US side in the same speed that we have seen in Europe, then it's, uh, it's going to go quite fast. It's very, very interesting. And just back to your question, Hughes, about what kind of examples have you seen and of course, it's important when we judge these um, KPIs that they are ambitious, they need to be measurable. It needs to be, you can say, beyond the normal course of business, because otherwise you don't really get anything extra on, on, uh, on the KPIs and they need to have impact. And we have seen more recently, you know, lots of deal where it makes sense, but we also seen uh, new issues where you say, um, um, for example, we have seen a production company that is where you use their products in landscaping, where there's actually some uh, not so nice things that can can go into the, the groundwater by the, the products and some of the fillers they have here. 
And there, the KPIs, um, we're really uh, working with the companies here, company here to get it um, to to fulfill what we actually think is appropriate for the company here in that sense. That, that, that means that the material you have in there should be biomaterial, it should be recyclable uh, material, um, instead of focusing on um, the production process, which you could get you know, um, uh, from the company st straight away in the documentation. Um, so I think uh, that, that gives you some indication on how there can be challenges in um, whether you put the right KPI or not. And you can also say you mentioned um, the amount of margin uplift or decrease. In some incidences, it's um, it can go up by seven and a half percent. No, seven, oh, sorry, seven and a half basis points, uh, or two times seven and a half basis points, uh, regardless of where you are on the target, and it can go down the same. And therefore, there we are often pushing for having a little bit more effect in here, and then having a little bit tighter uh, target, so um, or a little tougher targets to beat. Um, so that it, it will have an impact on, on the business, but also on the environment and us as investors when, when we go into deals like this. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it's amazing how quickly the um, ESG-linked loans have really ballooned in terms of scale and the percentage of the market. It's, I'm assuming the production company you're talking about is European-based. Jim, do you have any specific examples of you know, similar things happening in the U.S.? Yeah, I, I think in, in the U.S. you've seen generally um, a, a, a little bit uh, a lesser embracement of what I classify as, as more impact investing, which is uh, the investors uh, being able to influence uh, or, or taking the steps necessary to, to influence uh, you know, company behavior. But 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 I think you 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 do see you do see evidence of it uh, in, in in my own uh, experience. Uh, some of the industries which have had problems um, in terms of ESG headlines, uh, you know, we've we've been involved in in having dialogue, uh, you know, with them to be much more open in terms of disclosure of okay, here goes here goes the concerns about about your your, your products and your industry. Uh, you know, we invite the company uh, to 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 increase their level of, of disclosure, ultimately uh, to support their views um, that the uh, that the, the company uh, was acting. In a, uh, in a in a in a um, uh, more favorable manner than 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 the outside uh, investor community had had presumed, and so I, I think hopefully you will be able to see uh, actual uh, you know drivers and impetus uh, for, for for change. Uh, but but I think at at a minimum uh, the U.S. has has increased uh, its push for greater transparency. And are there any particular challenges with the SG when it comes to sub-investment grade credit in particular relative to, say, you know, investment grade or equities? And why, why do those challenges exist? I think part of the uh, concerns here have to do uh, with, with, with what I just discussed, which is, which is data, uh, data transparency. Um, you, you've seen uh, a number of uh, participants uh, enter the ESG space, which can provide external uh, scoring uh, for, 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 for companies and, and can do quite robust analyses. Um, I would say, and, and, and Torben, I think you, you probably have some of the data to, uh, to, to, to supplement this, uh, that that uh, level of, uh, uh, um, uh, of within equities of, of, of those names having uh, ESG reporting uh, is much higher. Uh, and then as you as you filter down to high yield, it meaningfully takes a step down. 
And then as you as you go toward the loan universe, uh, many of those external uh, reporting uh, you know companies have have a much much lower uh, degree of, uh, of of scoring transparency uh, amongst that universe. So it, so it becomes much less reliable in terms of external and, and pushes more of that uh, you know ESG analysis and scoring uh, you know toward 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 the managers uh, as you focus within uh, non investment grade credit. I can supplement a little bit here also with respect to data um, quality and amount. And, and uh, as Jim said, then, of course, on, on investment grade, um, which are mostly listed company, the data amount is much, much bigger. So you can get close to 100% coverage or maybe 90% coverage on, on, uh, on name basis. Whereas if, when you go to high yield, you're down to a little bit above 50, 60%, and then you um, then you have to map the remaining, uh, whereas on leveraged loans, the best data provider we have seen on, on that is very, very low. So we are below 10%. And then, you, then of course, you have a, a lot of engines being developed now, how you map. Also, AI tools are coming, but it, it says that you really need to have a robust internal integrated ESG process when you assess the credit because... Um, these data points will be quite scarce at the moment. They will also be quite late when you can get them from a report. Um, but we can talk a little bit about that later. Um, but uh, definitely, um, this will increase a lot going for, forward. And when we talk to data providers right now, so that that being the big ones like Sustainalytics, MSCI, S&P, and so on, even in the private um, space, so mostly for the leverage loan, the data amount is going to go up with many, many, many folds just in, in half a year and, and one year's time from now. So there's a big, big um, you know, evolution here at the moment. Yeah, I suppose you know, a difficulty that you always hear when you're discussing ESG with credit managers is that Part of the reason why the data gathering is, is so complex is because ESG means different things to different people. It's, it's, it's subjective. So you mentioned already negative screening versus your portfolio ratings. Just in case there's anyone listening who's not familiar with those terms, uh, Torben, could you just give us a rundown of, of what those two approaches to ESG investing are? Yeah, definitely. I mean, negative screening, that's what we have done probably for, for 20 years. Um, and then you will have, you can say, an exclusion list. It could be specific names. Actually, you get directly from a client. And then mostly in the CLO landscape, it would be sectors that you exclude. It can also be uh, compliant with the UN Global Compact principles that you do a screening uh, on that. Um, so you can say that that could be a level one. Uh, way of um, getting your portfolio better in, in line with, uh, with ESG. And those sectors will typically be uh, tobaccos and gaming, payday lending, some chemicals, controversial weapons, and, and the like. Then um, uh, that, there's another uh, level. Now you mentioned two. You could actually go to three or four uh, different uh, ways of doing it. But the, the second one is definitely ESG integration. And that's um, what is happening a lot on, on fund level at the moment, to a less extent on, um, on, on the CLO side. Um, but, but it is coming into the, to the CLO uh, landscape also, also with respect to people reporting on it 
um, still a few amount of, of CEO levels that, that are doing that. But th this is where you really go in and look at the credit by credit and analyze um, the environmental, social and government uh, in, in um, each investment you do and have it fully integrated into the process. Some people do it by mapping uh, to industries and say, okay, I give an ESG score for a different industry, then I map to that. That's a more rough way of doing it. Uh, some people do it directly name by name. So, of course, there's an industry input, but then there's also a very specific bottom-up uh, process on the name, which is um, the way we do it. So you get very specific uh, data points on that. Then there's another level called best-in-class, where you only take the best of the ESGs by some kind of criteria and tilt your portfolio towards that. Um, that's uh, something that has some benefits or can also have some uh, some drawbacks because then you might only invest in things that are, are very good right now, but uh, you, you might exclude some uh, improving credits. Um, and then you can say the fourth one would be a pure uh, thematic or impact investment side where you choose a a specific thematic um, thing you go for. So that could be gender um, uh, inequality or it could be you know, greenhouse gas emission or, or something like that. Very interesting. So those are, that's the sort of the positives and negatives of the different approaches to yeah. ESG investing. Jim, if I could turn to you, could you give us a, a sort of overview of Capital Four's approach to ESG and how, how you look at each of these different investment approaches? Sure. Uh, so, so I, th I think, as Torben mentioned, the industry and the company have, have evolved, uh, you know, over, over over the decades, and and, and ESG integration, uh, which is which is that second level, um, where where uh, Capital Four is is, is looking at um, the ESG attributes of the industry, looking at the ESG attributes of the company, uh, the country in which the uh, you know the company operates. And then, and then drilling down a, a much more granular level uh, into the uh, into the company's uh, specific, you know, ESG considerations, uh, social and, and governance um, characteristics, and and what the approach we've taken is uh, within uh, uh, certain industry and industry subsectors, you know, really having a set of criteria that we're that we're that we're looking at um, so that we can measure. Uh, specific companies against uh, the ESG considerations, which are most relevant, uh, you know, for for those sectors and subsectors, to be able to you know come up with uh, really uh, a dynamic uh, you know scoring uh, amongst several different criteria, let's say within environmental, and the same thing for social government to be to be able to um, to, to have uh, you know a robust uh, you know viewpoint and scoring, uh, which we integrate into our. In investment, uh, you know, committees and approval processes, and so much where we're discussing, uh, you know, the various uh, investment pros and, and, and cons um, that might be related to, uh, you know, cash flow or, uh, or or competitive landscape. Uh, you know, ESG is, is is one of those considerations, which is which is a factor in uh, in, in in any investment, uh, you know, getting getting approved, and if it's uh, and can tilt the needle. Um, in, in, in terms of a name uh, ultimately being rejected uh, or, or, or approved based on uh, based on that analysis. 
So, Torben, you mentioned a bit about the SFDR regulations a little bit earlier, and, and I think in particular it's the Article 8 that is most most relevant to our discussion. Could you just give a quick overview just to our listeners so that they know what's involved in those in those regulations? Yeah, uh, definitely. So you can say the ma- two main, um, if we should keep it very, very short, because this could go on for many hours, but um, the two main regulatory frameworks that, that the EU are using within the, the ESG landscape is SFDR, so the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, and then what, what they call EU taxonomy. And um, the main purpose of that, or the two main purposes of that, there's other purposes also with respect to disclosure and so on, but that's actually to avoid um, greenwashing first, and then also to reach the net zero um, goal by 2050. So you can actually say this is quite important now also having COP26 coming uh, up here in uh, yeah, actually October 31st. So it actually put it very, very much on the global landscape here. Um, and as I mentioned before, then um, the SFDR first level come in, came into effect here in March 10th this year. Um, so you will already see all the ma- as managers have been out disclosing um, where they are sitting within this uh, regulatory framework. Um, and, and you're right, uh, Article 8 is quite important um, because that's where you move into an area where you promote uh, um, either environmental or a social or uh, both uh, in in your product um, to our knowledge we haven't seen any direct article 8 product at the moment in the market there are some references in some uh, in some product but uh, whether you can really lift a CLO to an article 8 we are still um, um, discussing with our lawyers and external lawyers about that uh, but you can definitely still manage a CLO uh, within, you can say, an investment philosophy that, that can follow um, an Article 8. And, and just for the listeners' um, purpose here, then Article 8, you could think about as a, a light green uh, product, um, so promoting something. So that could be, for example, you promote um, a certain ESG score um, threshold in your portfolio. Um, or you want to have a certain one, and there you can actually use internal scores. Um, it could also be with respect to the uh, greenhouse gas emission in the portfolio that you want to be better than the overall market or the benchmark or w- whatever you're linking it to. Um, but um, then the Article 9, which is what they call the green um, or the dark green one, that's something where you really have sustainability as an objective. There we have seen very, very, very few funds also in general, not only credit funds, but also equity funds and so on being moved into, into that area. So only 3% roughly of all European funds has been moved to that, where 28% has been moved into the Article 8 area. And out of that 28%, a third is actually using negative screening in that. So you can say actually a lot of the funds has moved always, no, no, already a step further from negative screening um, in in that regard within the regulatory framework here. 
And then taxonomy is coming on top of that, which is, um, you can say, a common language for what is actually an environmental sustainable economic activity. So that people should not sit and discuss whether one activity is sustainable and another one is not. Then there's quite clear guidance on what it is. And there the EU has been out, um, you know, showing six you can say six groups or six objectives. The one objective, for example, is climate change mitigation. Another one is protection of water. Another one is within prevention of pollution and so on. And then, um, you know, portfolios will be measured with respect to this common language. And you can see how much or how big part of the portfolio is actually what they then call taxonomy aligned. So it gives very, very good disclosure. Uh, for the investors then. Thanks a lot. And um, and Jim, if I could bring you in on a, on a similar question. Is there any sense that um, in the US there's going to be a, any regulatory efforts to increase the standardization of ESG across the credit investing universe? Not, thus far, there hasn't been uh, any, any regulatory uh, either uh, proposals, uh, and, and, I, and I haven't heard of any, of, of any uh, rumblings of, of that taking place. You know, ultimately, uh, could this be in another example where it takes a little while for U.S. to follow in the footsteps uh, of what is relatively new, uh, you know, regulatory uh, requirements within within Europe? I, I think I think that's quite possible, uh, but but I think there is going to be a little bit of a lag uh, as you haven't seen uh, you know government entities uh, you know get uh, get directly involved in, uh, in in providing providing guidance or or, or, uh, or requirements. Yes, I mean I'm I'm aware that there's. Um a push by the LSTA to get a standardized questionnaire for ESG disclosure for uh, loan issuers. I agree that you, you'll, you'll see more tools become available on on on, on an industry uh, you know basis. Uh, I, I don't think it'll it'll be a, a, a governmental uh, you know re- requirement, but 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 I do think the efforts of the LSTA uh, to help to standardize and, and I think it's both for the benefit, frankly, of managers. And for the benefit of, uh, of, of of issuers, you know, for for the underlying companies uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to 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 put themselves in a position uh, to to understand what are the types of questions and requirements that uh, you know managers are going to be increasingly asking of them, uh, and, and 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 be able to to, to streamline um, and 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 make more uh, more consistent. Uh, you know those uh, you know those areas that uh, you know that hopefully they'll develop internal uh, you know reporting uh, you know around. Uh, I, I'd say the the level of um, uh, compliance uh, thus far at, at an issuer level has has been modest, but I think the you know the the steps are are, are definitely in, in the right direction and, and hopefully lead to much greater transparency to solve the issue that we talked about earlier with uh, with, with with much weaker. Uh, uh, third-party uh, provider reporting uh, within the loan asset class. So uh, I think it is definitely a step, uh, a step in the right direction. And how are those conversations with issuers going at the moment? Do you, do you get the sense that management teams at these companies are expecting a disclosure around ESG, or is, is that something that's still fairly new for them? I, I think it is fairly new, but uh, I, I even see just over the, over the last uh, you know, 12 or 24 months, uh, you know the level of, uh, of 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 not just their ability to answer questions, uh, but to proactively uh, you know report uh, is 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 improving. 
Um, and, and so now it becomes a, a bit of what's the, the forum in which in which that information is passed on, uh, you know, to uh, to investors to, to to streamline it being able to be incorporated into uh, investors' diligence. Um, you know, because for public companies, uh, you know, there's there, there there's a much you know uh, uh, I think greater level of uh, transparency and uh, you know ESG. Um, you know, kind of reporting, you know, that they're that they're doing as part of their public disclosure. Uh, that for private companies, uh, you know, just just uh, needs to have a, a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, uh, consistency around uh, to, to to be able to increase that transparency. But but definitely heading in, in the uh, in in the right direction uh, in a meaningful way. Torben, I want to ask you as well about CLOs with ESG tests built into the documentation. We've um, we've recently reported on a European CLO that has an ESG linked portfolio test. So similar to the weighted average life or OC tests, you know, if this ESG score drops below a certain point, the manager has to maintain or improve that score. Do you think this is the future for CLOs? Um, it could be. Um, we think it's. Um, we are very much pro for um, how do you actually measure that score, and is it independent, and um, is it just running through your own process? Um, we think um, so far it would be. Um, it it would be a little bit tricky, and we are very very much in in the camp of a CLO disclosing. Uh, the ESG data they have in in the CLO, but of course, and also explaining the investor what is your ESG process, how do you integrate it? Uh, do you, um, of course, also the negative screening, but how do you have it in uh, actually embedded in your investment process? And the data so far in Europe, although there's very very few with with triggers, is that you still have quite few. Uh, CLOs that uh, do disclose their their ESG figures um, or co- at least commit to um, ESG reporting. So if we look at the data right now, then based on on the 149 new issues we have seen in the market through September this year, there's less than seven percent of those um, that is ongoing. Um, you know, have, have have ongoing ESG reporting uh, requirements in there, um, but we know that ESG scores from external providers are not that correlated. So it it's very important how you define these triggers, um, and, um, and and therefore I'm a little bit in doubt whether that's going to be a, a general theme in the market. My final question, uh, questions, uh, so I'll address this to you, Jim. Um, you're in the process of building out a new CLO platform in, in the US. How important is it for you to have a fully integrated ESG process while launching a new product? Yeah, I, I think uh, the CLO market is, is definitely evolving as it relates toward its approach uh, you know, toward, toward ESG. And I think we're seeing that uh, there's there's a you know currently a, a, a disparity uh, you know between where where the U.S. is and and and, and where and where Europe is uh, that 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 my expectation is that, is that the U.S. is going to, to follow uh, in those in those footsteps uh, you know whereas in the in the in the, in the U.S. Uh, you've got a, a a significantly smaller of the uh, of the manager universe uh, that's that that's that's even incorporating. 
uh, you know, exclusions, um, I think I think that number has been has been growing uh, meaningfully, uh, and 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 so and so being able to uh, adopt adopt those principles uh, from 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 day one um, is uh, is is quite uh, quite important, uh, you know, to be to be ahead of where of where the industry is going. I, I think when I look at it even a little bit deeper, if you if you if you look at the the European uh, CLO market. In, in addition to there being, you know, 94% of the uh, CLOs issued in, in 2021 that include exclusion language, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing uh, almost a third um, in, include uh, the requirement for, for them to, to have, uh, you know, some, some ESG scoring uh, that's done at the, at the manager level, uh, albeit, as, as Torben mentioned, you know, the, the number of managers which are then reporting that. Um, is sub 10 percent. I think as as the broader loan industry moves from level one, which was negative screening, if you if you remember back to the four different levels that, that Torben talked about, um, you know, toward you know levels two and three, where you where you have more of an ESG integration uh, approach, um, that, uh, that 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 it's not just a, a function of as a as a new manager being able to. Um, uh, to 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 uh, have negative screening uh, as part of your process, uh, but but to begin uh, proactively incorporating uh, you know uh, uh, a more integrated ESG approach. Um, that that in my mind is where the CLO industry, not just within Europe uh, but within the U.S., is going to lead to as well. Uh, you know, for Capital Four. And 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 in particular, uh, the the U.S. CLO, uh, you know, build out. We're 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 fortunately, uh, you know, part of an organization that has embraced uh, ESG principles, uh, you know, for, for for decades. And so, uh, you know, one of the biggest challenges, you know, frankly, for 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 many managers is 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 that inertia of being able to uh, to to kind of uh, you know build. Build this into processes which previously didn't uh, didn't didn't incorporate ESG. That you know the fact that it's been part of uh, the Capital Four uh, 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 franchise for such a long period of time uh, makes it much easier uh, in our in our particular case to from day one be able to to uh, to, to to take advantage of the robust level of uh, of, of infrastructure around ESG uh, uh, and and incorporate it into our processes day one uh, because I think it's going to become uh, much more commonplace uh, and, and, and an industry requirement uh, for, for, for many participants, uh, you know, going forward. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time on this podcast. There's so much more about ESG that we could be discussing, but it's clear from our conversation that, you know, the speed with which ESG is becoming one of the main factors that a CLO manager has to consider, it's not going to slow down. It's only kind of going to become more important, especially in the U.S. over the over the next over the coming years. So, thank you both for joining the last chance chance today and sharing your insights. Thank you for listening to the last tranche. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Credit Flux and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share our content.